So uh, I, I've been on this, it's just, God just keeps on telling me to keep sharing about love. So I'm going to just keep sharing about love. Uh, so out of love, how many's love tank is filled today? Like filled. Okay, well, so in the world, they've, they've come up with the five love languages. And these love languages, word of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, I don't know how many people have actually taken the love language test, but based on your love language, how many's love language is filled completely full today? Well, I know that mine was because I got to go on a road trip and I just spent some quality time with God yesterday and it was amazing. But we can't just stop at our love language because all those around us have different love languages than us. And I can tell you right now, my wife's love language is gift giving and I <laughs> am horrible at gift giving. But that's not an escape route for me to say, well, I'm horrible at it. So let's go to what God says about love in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, if you really want to feel loved, you have to go to the source. Because any other source is a distorted version of love. And in order for us to go out and meet every other person's love language, we have to be filled from the source. And God can use people, places, and things to fill our love tank, but we can't rely on those. We have to be filled so that we go out and love unconditionally. And there's only one place where we can go and get unconditionally loved. So that means under any condition, unconditional, under any condition, we can get our love tank filled. And that's the part, church, we, we keep on trying to make ourselves better so that God loves us more. And it has never changed from the very beginning. It has never changed. It's never going to change. He's going to continue to love us unconditionally. So the more we fill ourselves with that unconditional love, the more we bestow unconditional love on people. So let's rise and, and pray. Jesus, 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 thank you for giving us that covering so that when God looks at us, he sees a perfect child all the time because of Jesus.
So Father, we repent. We are sorry that we put expectations on people. That no longer we that fill ourselves or rely on other people to fill our love tank, but Father, that we seek you first. Each and every day, each and every moment. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to give insight on how to love those that are around us. What really makes them tick? What is their love language? So, Father, that we just operate in that love, that, that gift of the Holy Spirit, and just with the covering of Jesus to just go out and change this world with that unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, whether that's through song or whether that's through everyday obedience, everyday life, everyday living in your name, for you, honoring you with everything that we do. Father, we want to honor you and praise that name, the name of Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. And this day, throughout this service, Lord, we want to continue to lift up that name. Because when we lift up that name, your word says that you will draw all men unto yourself. All men, all women, all children, all mankind. And so, Father, our, that's our desire. Our desire is that heaven is full of people who love you. And, and Lord, I pray that it's full of the people we love. Because that's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorious. All in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, for the offering this morning, um, I'm going to share a principle that has helped me um, in thinking about my finances and the area of giving. Um, God's word tells us that everything in this world belongs to him. God owns it all and we are really just stewards of, of his wealth. Um, a steward is someone who manages or looks after another's property. So I endeavor to keep the attitude that my financial accounts are in God's name and that my, um, I'm just, my position is simply as an authorized user. Um, so the Lord is the owner, he's the responsible party, uh, but we are his agents uh, through which he conducts his business on the earth his business including provision for ourselves as well as for others. So our part as financial stewards then, as in all areas in relation to the Lord, is simply to trust and to obey. So with this in mind, I'm going to share a quick testimony of God's provision as well as a revelation I've received regarding his position. And I have many testimonies that I could share, but I'll share one of the first uh, by which I learned the principle of stewardship. So many years ago, uh, when I was in grad school, I lived on a student stipend. So the stipend covered my basic expenses like rent, food, gas money, but very little beyond that. Uh, one time I had a car repair bill that I didn't have the cash to cover. So I had to charge the expense without really knowing how I was going to pay this debt. Uh, but I was trusting God. And without getting into all the details, a short time later, I felt strongly led by the Lord to bless my pastor's wife, Cindy, with a new pair of sewing shears. So Cindy was a very frugal wife and mother. She sewed much of her children's clothing. 
and I think maybe did some seamstress work on the side to earn extra money. So the Lord wanted to provide shears, shears to Cindy via me as his steward. Um, but not just any shears, they were specifically Cutco brand shears, which are high quality, lifetime guarantee, very expensive shears. I think if I remember at the time they were like $100 or $110. So I told the Lord, I'll, I'll obey and I'll buy the shears for you, but I don't have the money right now, so I'm trusting you to somehow pay for it. So I charged the cost to my credit card, adding, you know, to the penny the total of the cost of my car repair and the Cutco shares. And I don't remember the exact details, but it happened that I had somehow paid duplicate um, local taxes in the prior year, so both to my hometown and then uh, in, this, in uh, where I was living at school. And so the check was actually a refund from the city government. So it covered my need and it covered the, um, Cindy's gift. Um, so now I want, I want to share something from the word related to this testimony and how the Lord provides for us. So I'm going to read Matthew 17, 24 to 27. When they came to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax, from their sons or from strangers? When Peter said, from strangers, Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt. However, so that we do not offend them, go to the sea and throw in a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and for me. So to be honest, you know, this account always bothered me a bit because it, it could appear that Jesus created money to pay a debt, like he could almost be akin to a, to a counterfeiter. And uh, when I was a Karis student, there were numerous classes where we would hear about the laws, you know, both physical laws and spiritual laws that, that God ordained to govern the earth and that he maintains with integrity and will not violate. And I believe this would include the laws and principles that are at work around money. Economics is a science having its own laws, one of the first being the law of supply and demand. So if you indiscriminately print or create money, which is the very definition of inflation, it only serves to devalue the currency. And I think we can all agree that inflation in the long term is not a good thing. You're here? <laughs> okay. So it was not an action in my mind that Jesus would model or an economic principle that he would just disregard. So anyway, I learned something several years ago that gave me clarity on this. In the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus, where Jesus sent Peter, there is a species of fish, it's a kind of tilapia, I think, that is called a mouth brooder. And these fish carry and then hatch their eggs inside their mouths. And then the baby fish will remain in the mother's mouth for a time as they develop, sometimes even swimming in and out. But when it is time uh, to leave the safety of the mother's mouth, the mother fish will go to the bottom of the lake and she will pick up and hold in her mouth small pebbles and other items that she finds, things like round, shiny coins that would glint and catch her eye in order to fill the space and crowd out the babies. So you see, Jesus did not do magic and cause a coin to appear in the fish's mouth. He didn't create it. The coin was already there. 
Jesus simply knew where it was, and he instructed Peter where to find it. And that is the miracle in this account. And it's the same with us today. The provision is already there. Your provision is already there. God has it in his account. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the coins at the bottom of a thousand lakes. And as in the testimony I shared, I may not have had the money for my expenses in my bank, but the funds did belong to God. And they were earmarked for me as his steward nonetheless, whether or not I was aware of it or not. So God knows how to direct us to his provision, provision both for our needs and for his business. But here is the key. Like Peter, we need to walk closely with him, listen to his voice, and obey in faith whatever instructions he gives us. And that includes trusting and obeying his directions concerning our offerings. So I would encourage you today, ask the Lord what, we would, he, what he would have you give this morning. Uh, there are numerous opportunities right now to be an agent for the Lord's business. Um, Tally has just presented some of, us, some of them for us. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your provision, that you are a good father who takes care of all the needs of his children. And we acknowledge that all that we have is yours. Help us to be faithful stewards of the resources you have asked us to manage. We trust you, Lord. Our hearts are open to your instructions. What a privilege to do your work, Lord God. What an honor to be a vessel through which your gracious gifts and blessings can be poured out to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm uh, Pastor John Neitzel. I've had some people think I should introduce myself since I haven't been here for three weeks and, and preaching. They noticed I didn't have a microphone in my hand, so I must be the one preaching this morning. So they asked me if I was the special guest. Yes, I'm always special. Just ask my wife. There we go. So this morning we do have a very exciting service. I'm pretty ringy. Ringy. Uh, pretty exciting service. We're going to have a baptism today. And uh, going into the baptism, we might actually, it's on our heart to teach on it a little bit, explain why we do baptism the way we do, why we do baptism at all, why, why baptism. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to the, the video that uh, Pastor Greg had put on the, the uh, internet on the announcements. And I, as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, my goodness, this, you know, this was 14 years ago. It was, it was made in 2008. And it was, I was like, man, I was right back then. I mean, that's just a amazing it was just it was really good except except it looked like this okay you have to it's 14 years ago yeah yeah who is that you know uh that's uh, that's quite a few pounds ago and uh quite a bit of brown hair ago and uh but so and the and the film is a little bad so is our desire to redo this and and, and share it i'm not going to go as long uh, i encourage you to listen to that one i'm listening i was getting blessed uh listening to it i was like man that's that was good stuff back then but i'm going to redo it today basically the same thing without without some um because uh, what's in my heart ever since i started looking at the video and listening to it 
We really need to have on our, on our website, you know, three different things. Uh, one is how to get saved. You know, a sermon on how to, how to get saved. So when somebody comes on, if they just bump into us, and people bump into us all the time, um, they'll be able to listen to that and, and hear exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross, what he did uh, for, with his life, and, and how salvation has been given to us, and do one on that, and then do one on baptism. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. And then do a third one on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as people are able to come on the website, they can come on and, and see those three things and, and uh, we, the ministry can be even happening while I sleep. So it's, uh, it's wonderful how that works. So this morning, uh, we are going to talk about baptism and uh, why. Why do we baptize? You know, I mean, the simple answer is we, we baptize because Jesus said so. I mean, that's, that, that should be enough. He said so. We've already heard from, from Susanna and, and during, the, during the worship time and the things I shared. This is about obedience. This walk of life is about obedience. Now, it's not blind obedience. We don't just blindly f- follow because somebody said something. But Jesus not only said it, but he lived it. He lived it. He showed us how to live in this life. And baptism is no different, Right? We're going to read an account in just a moment where Jesus was baptized. Isn't that interesting? It was important enough to him that he got baptized. Why? You know? And then, but also, it is so important, he actually put it in the Great Commission. It's part of the, 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 what he told us to do on his last moments on earth. It's what he told us to do as he was leaving. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, and this is the the part where he's talking about the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 16, says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Interesting. I mean, it's worth mentioning, at least pointing out is that Jesus lived on the, on the earth for 30 years, 33 years. He ministered for three of those years, publicly. Did all kinds of miracles, did all kinds of signs and wonders. If you've been reading through the Bible with us uh, this year, the one-year reading, this last week it talked about how you know, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so you know, here's a man that was in the grave for four years. The people that saw him dead, they knew he was dead. And he raised him from the dead. And then all of a sudden he He's getting more and more popular. And what do the Pharisees want to do? What do the Sadducees want to do? They want to kill Jesus. But they also made a plot. If you read this week, they made a plot to kill Lazarus too. Because it was like, well, we got to get rid of him too. My goodness, how blind can somebody be? To be able to, to religiously somehow negotiate in their mind that it's okay to, to kill the man that got miraculously raised from the dead. Hello, that'd be great. Kill him, then you just raise him again, and then you kill him, then you raise him back again. You know. But they, they've made this plan to kill him. But all of this stuff is happening publicly. People saw it. It wasn't, they didn't do it behind closed doors. They didn't, Jesus said, he says, what, you, what you've said behind closed doors is going to be shouted from the mountaintops. It's happening publicly. What we're doing at any given time is publicly. He tells us to confess him as Lord publicly. And what we're doing this morning is publicly. 
We're being public about this. We're not, we're not hiding. We're not, you know, I mean, there may be a day and there may be a place where people have to hide, but it's not today. Amen? So, but they get up there. None of this has happened uh, by, by in hiding, but here the, these people see Jesus right in front of them and some worshiped and some doubted. Isn't that life? You can have all the evidence. You can have all the evidence. You could have heard everything about Jesus. You could have heard everything about who he was and what he did. You can hear all the stories. You can hear all the testimonies. You can hear testimonies about how God is still active in people's life today. And we all, and many, many, many people have those kind of stories where, where there, Jesus is active in our lives right now. He's here right now. He says in his word, where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. You can have all the evidence. There are people who could have all of the evidence and say, nah, not interested. Interesting. So, some worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority. It's going to be really important that you hear hear those words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, obedience. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as Jesus is leaving, and I've said this many times when talking about the Great Commission and what happened on that mountain, I've said many times that Jesus could have said anything. He literally could have said anything. He's God. His, his, he's going to have the last sentence on earth, the last thing that he's going to publicly say to people. He could have said anything. And what did he say? He said, go into all the world and preach. Go into all the world and tell people about what I just did. And, he adds now, baptizing them, making them disciples, which means training them to live this life. We, we need to train to live this life. We don't just get saved and then go on with our life any way we want to. We become his disciple, which means, okay, God, what do you want me to do? This It's not what would Jesus do. I mean, that was popular a number of years ago. It's what will you do? Because it isn't just what Jesus would do. It's like, what are you going to do about this now? I know I had to make that decision. Am I, you know, when I said, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm so sorry. I blew this. I screwed it up. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I repent. I want to be back in. I had to immediately start making choices. He had put opportunities in front of me, and I had to obey or, don't, or not obey. That's the reality of it, is I, I have to be a disciple. I have to not only do what he says to do, but I have to hear, I have to learn what he wants me to do. And how do we learn? Through the Bible. Through the Bible, through teaching, through relationship, all of these things. We have to be able to, we have to be a disciple. We have to understand, and then we have to follow. He says, uh, and he, so he says, uh, baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise God. It's good that he's with us. It was so important, it's in the Great Commission, but it was so important, he did it himself. He did it himself. Now, we have to actually talk about what he did. We're going to read the, the verse here in just a second. Uh, and we're actually going to read a verse later on that talks about Jesus explaining what's happening. But he explains John's baptism as what? It's a baptism of repentance. 
Very interesting. It's a baptism. There's all kinds of baptisms. There's all kinds of baptisms. And we'll, we'll, we'll hit on a few of them. But this, but the one he's about to do, the one that he partook in himself, was a baptism of repentance. Interesting. Why would Jesus have to repent? Oh, I love it. All the theological minds are going, why does he have to repent? He doesn't have to repent. He doesn't say he has to repent. He just says that he needed to do the baptism to fulfill to fill all righteousness. We're going to read that. I just wanted to give you a little taste of it, a little, little teaser there. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Back at the beginning of Matthew, verse 13. says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to, uh, to, the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. John knew who he was. I mean, he had a really good idea who he was. I mean, he, he struggled with it afterwards. He struggled with it a little bit just because he's human. But in that moment, he was pretty convinced he knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was. He knew what his, his job was to do. He was the forerunner of the Messiah, and Jesus was filling all the bills. He was, he was lining up. <clears throat> this is, so he goes, I need to be baptized by you, and you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered them, or answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't get baptized to repent. He didn't get baptized to wash away his sins. He, he was baptized for a very specific reason, and we're going to get there. Why? What the reason was. It's not told here what the reason is. The reason is, is very deep. It's actually really cool. When I first saw it, I was like, my goodness. That is so powerful. But it doesn't just have a ramification for Jesus. It has a ramification for us. To fulfill all righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Then he consented. John consented. In verse 16, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Jesus, or on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. He is well pleased with Jesus. He's well pleased with Jesus. Guess what? When we are obedient to Him, when we follow Him, when we allow ourselves to, when we say that He's Lord, He is well pleased with That's right. You know, I, I know I'm supposed to be doing, I had a series that I started three weeks ago that was not a series, it was a one shot, and then I'm, gonna, I'm coming back to it. Talking about good news. Here, I'm going to throw some good news in here, and, and Paul, Paul already started with the good news. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. That's good news. Good news is he loves you. He's not mad at you. At the end of Jesus' life, he is literally tortured to death because of sin. But it wasn't his sin. It was our sin. He was, he was well pleased with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was obediently doing what God told him to do. 
following him, going where he's supposed to go, doing what he's supposed to do, even doing this baptism thing. This baptism thing where we're going to come over and we're going to bring somebody, and this isn't the River Jordan. Praise God. (laughs) Because the River Jordan, I'm probably in the dark here with the cameras, I apologize, but the River Jordan is actually dirty. I've baptized some people in, you know, in, in the River Jordan. It's dirty. It's cold. That day it was cold. It was winter. We did it anyway. Uh, this is warm. But it's, it's, it's symbolic. It doesn't, you don't have to get baptized in the Jordan. You just need to be obedient to be baptized. Amen? And he says, but when he did this, he says, I'm well pleased. God's pleased with you. That's good news. Amen? So, why did Jesus have to be baptized by John to fulfill righteousness? Powerful. Turn to Mark. There's actually a number, uh, there's at least three uh, versions of this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I believe. I think John's the only one that doesn't mention it. But it's a discussion that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the, the lawyers of the day, the, the, the priests, you know, the ones who were among the priestly families and, and the lawyers and so on and so forth. It's, a, it's an, a, a discussion that he has. They ask him a question, he asks them a question, and uh, you know, he knew they were trying to trick him, and they knew, they thought he was trying to trick them, but, but they, asked, he, they asked some very specific questions, which is brilliant what happened and how Jesus answered. Mark chapter 11, verse 27, says, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he, Jesus, was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? They're, they Finally, they're done. They're, they're tired of this guy. They're, they're, okay, who think, you know, you're not a priest. You're not a Levite. You're not, you're, we don't even know who your dad is. And you're saying all these things and you're doing all these things and you're taking people away from us. Why, okay, okay, fine. Whose authority do you have? Who's given you authority to do these things? We have authority. Who did they have authority from? The law, which came from? Moses set up the priesthood. Moses set up the priesthood. He gave it, and Moses was a? He was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. He was, arguably, he was the first prophet. And he set up, God on the mountain, 40 days, crazy wild, didn't eat, didn't drink. He, He spent 40 days, and God spoke some very specific things to him, and one of the things was set up a priesthood. And he gave them authority. Now you got this, this, this upstart from Nazareth. What good thing comes out of Nazareth? That's in the Bible. Who does this guy think he is? He's illegitimate from what we can tell. His mother was pregnant before she was married. And now he comes in here and he's starting to preach the gospel. And people are following him. They're taking followers away from there. They're paying attention. Just a few days before, he's walking into Jerusalem, and they're all saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, son of David. I mean, son of David was a term that was saying, You're the Messiah. And they're going, Make him stop. 
make them stop you doing this. And he says, if I tell them to stop, the rocks are going to cry out. Because this is who I am. And now they're just tired of it, man. They're tired of it. And they're, they're looking for ways to arrest him. And they walk up and they go, okay, whose authority? By whose authority are you doing this? We have our authority. Who's your authority? And this is how the, the conversation continues on. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by what authority. There's that word again. I keep, we, we keep bumping into the word authority. It's very important this morning. Authority is very important. By what authority, uh, I'm sorry, verse 29, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay, you, ask, you answer him a question for me, and I'll tell you who's authority. Verse 30, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe them? Believe him. If we say, uh, why, then would you, why, then, why then did you not believe him? Verse 32, but shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people, for they had, had held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority these things. I do these things. He says, he says okay, I'm going to ask you a question. You want to know what authority I do this by? I just want to ask you one question. Was John's authority, was that from heaven or from man? And they said, he's trying to trick us here. He wasn't trying to trick them. I believe if they would have, if they would have answered his question rightly, he'd have told them exactly whose authority. Why was he asking that question? Because where does Jesus' authority come from? From John. <laughs> I love it. Because you could you why that's why he asked the question. So okay, John's authority, was it from heaven or from man? And they said, well, we know it's from heaven. Well, if John's authority came from heaven, then Jesus' authority came from heaven. John, when Jesus talks later about John, he asks, he says, what did you guys go out to see out there? Who did you go out to see? Who, who was it that you went out in the desert to see? A man dressed in fine clothes, sleeping in a, in a nice house, very eloquent? No. You went out... And you heard the voice of one crying in the, in the desert. He says, no greater man to this date, no, ma no greater man born of woman is there in, in all of eternity, from, from Adam to John. He says, up until that moment, John is the greatest of them all. It's in the Bible. But yet, from this point on, he'll be the least in the kingdom of God. Why is it, why was John the greatest? He was an Old Testament prophet. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. The authority that was passed down from prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet to, to priest to king to prophet, it was passed down through the Old Testament to John. And Jesus came to him and says, I'm, I'm, op, I'm a man, well, we're going to get to that. I almost, oof, I almost gave you the punchline. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus was a man, I'm going to give it to you. Jesus was a man under authority. He was under authority. 
But authority requires obedience. What authority do I have up do I have to stand up here every day, every Sunday? Well, every third Sunday. <laughs> By what authority can I do what I do? Do you know why I why I get the opportunity, why I'm able to do this? If you don't know who I'm pointing, that's Pastor Dan Dennison. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Why? Because 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, he goes, hey, I want to bring you on staff. I want you to be my youth pastor. I want to give you the authority to teach, to train our children, our youth. And all the way along, when he, they were pastoring this church 20, 20 years ago, he said, it's time for me to move on. I'm going to, I'm going to install you as a pastor. He put me into authority. I didn't just walk in one day and go, Guys, you need to listen to me. You need to, you need to come to my meetings. Because you need to come. I got something to say. And you need to, no, 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 no. Why, why, does, why was his authority the one? Because I submitted myself to him. I humbled myself and said, I will work for you. I'll do what you need. Man, did I work hard. I'm just telling you. No, I'm kidding. I did work hard. But... It's authority. Jesus, John was an Old Testament prophet. Jesus said, I have to do this. We have to fulfill righteousness today. And the moment he fulfilled the righteousness of submitting himself, the God of all the universe. Why? I mean, I don't have time to do this. I could take you all the way back to Genesis. I will take you just briefly all the way back to Genesis, but I could show you all the way through the Old Testament. Why did he have to submit himself to the Old Testament? Because in the beginning, God created. He spoke and he created everything that exists. And then he created man in his own image. And he said, he said, he said, go into all the earth, take dominion over the earth. He gave, he gave Adam authority. What does this have to do with baptism? Absolutely everything. He gave him authority. He gave Adam authority to, be, to rule and reign the earth. That's what we were created to be, was to rule and reign creation. Amen. And Adam traded it for some leaves, some fruit and some leaves and a lie, and gave the authority to who? And Jesus was coming back. God said to the snake, he goes, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He, he's going to crush your head. He's going, to crush your, he's going to crush your authority. And we know that when Jesus came back, because we just read it, all authority has been given to me. After he was obedient all the way to the cross, all authority was given to Jesus. And when that authority was given to him, immediately he says, I'm giving it back to you. God, oh man, it's so powerful. That is so cool. What's the whole thing about authority? It's everything. Why do we get to do anything that we do in the Spirit? Because He's given us authority to do it. But how, how do we receive that authority? By, by, yeah, obedience, exactly. By submitting ourselves, submitting ourselves, submitting ourselves. 
Submission, submission is not about, I'm in control here, kid. And by golly, you're going to do what I told you to do. That, you know, some people's parents were like that. But that's not the kind of authority. That's not what he says authority. The authority is he, is just, he wants to be a part of what's going on, so he, was, he will submit himself. That word authority doesn't mean push down from above. It means to go underneath and lift up. Wives, submit to your husband. Wives, submit to your husband. Good luck with that. You have to sleep sometime. That word submission doesn't mean I control her from above. That means she chose. My goodness, she chose to help me. To be my helpmate. She submitted herself, and she does. She, she lifts me up. She can help me do more than what I can do myself. And so when we submit to Christ, we lay down our life. And the Bible says when we come out, when we lay down our life, when we come out, We come out to new life. <laughs> There's something to the succession of righteousness and authority that comes through baptism. Jesus said, I started this whole thing by saying, why do we do baptism? Because Jesus said so. He said to. He said, this is going to all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we submit to it, this, and literally, and I'll, and I'll just be able to do it just very briefly, but I'll show you a couple of places where people got saved and baptized immediately. That is the best. There are some people who've been a Christian for years and years and years, decades, and have never been baptized. Now, I'm not saying you're being disobedient. You just didn't understand why it's so important. I mean, this is important. This, this isn't just, well, we're going to do a little baptism today, get some people wet. I'll just be honest with you folks. I, mean, I like to be real. The idea of baptism is weird. You get a whole bunch of people coming around. We're going to get a whole bunch of people coming, and we're going to get them wet. We're going to dunk them underwater. We're going to bring them back up. That's just it's not the way I would have done it. But here we are. We do baptisms, and we do full immersion baptisms. And I, t- I you know, we don't we don't hold them under very long, but we we hold you down. <laughs> we make sure you're under the water all the way. I had I've tried baptize. There's been a few people who fought me. I mean, they don't like you know the whole idea of going down backwards into water is a weird thing, and they'll uh, and I just, bloosh, you know you just. <laughs> Kids, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. That's why they don't let me do baptism. No, I think. But there's something about the succession of righteousness and authority that comes through baptism. We are submitting ourselves to Jesus, who submitted himself to John, who submitted himself to 
There's a whole succession of why do people get to do the things that they do. And when we do, look what happened when Jesus was baptized, when he submitted himself, when he came out, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down and filled him. And from that moment, you know, Jesus didn't do any miracles before that happened. Not one. But when he did, every, all heaven broke loose. He was, man, there were people getting healed. There were people getting raised from the dead. It was a, but it was, they understood uh, 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 authority. Real quick, I don't have a whole lot of time to do this, um, but go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. I want to just show you one example. Uh, just turn there if you can. Write it down if you can. It'll be up on the screen. Matthew 8, beginning with verse 5. says, When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too, I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and then he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Why? Because he understood authority. By being obedient to what Jesus says, even this weird thing, and I, please, I'm not trying to make fun of baptism. I'm not. It is, to me, it is, it is sacred. It's a, it's a, it's a sacred, obe, obedient right that we do. But I'm just putting into, you know, why, why, why this? Because he said to. And there are, I can go through the whole Old Testament. There are things, well, we can. Just real quick, uh, go to Acts chapter 8, 37. Like I said, just read it, don't read it. Uh, look it up later. It says, then Philip, Philip was one of the disciples, one of the, the uh, ministers, said, if you believe with all your heart, he had been talking to the Ethiopian eunuch who says, I don't, I'm reading this, but I don't understand it. I need somebody to explain to me. Philip explains to him what he's reading out of the prophet Isaiah. And as he's reading it, he's saying, he's like, I don't understand who's, who's talking here. And, and Philip goes, that's Jesus. It's talking about Jesus, the lamb who was going to be slain. That's in, that's in Isaiah. And he says, he go, and he says that he believed, verse 37 in the New King James says, then Philip said, if you believe, because the eunuch said, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? That's verse 36. Verse 37, he, Philip answers him and says, If you believe with all your heart, you may, be, you may. And he answered and said, I believe. The eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then he says, yes, you can be baptized. When you get born again, when you put your trust in what he did on the cross, and that, that's where we start with all this. Baptism starts with first receiving what Jesus did for, on the cross for you. By believing that that death on that cross. Now, why did God pick that? I don't know. It, I don't know everything. I mean, there's all kinds of biblical truths. I don't understand everything. But he chose for his son, his, his, his sinless son, to come to this earth, to die horribly on a cross, to bleed out. I mean, you know, not trying to be gross, but to bleed out, to, to be punished for our sin, to be in the grave for three days, and to come back to life, to be raised again because death doesn't hold him. But when he did that, he took your sin forever. 
He took every sin. He took all of my sin. He took all of your sin. He took everybody's sin in the the earth. But there's one caveat. You have to receive that. Because there are people who reject it and go, I don't want to do that. Well, okay. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Hell was created for the, the, the devil and his demons and death and all of the sin and all the stuff. And it get, at the end, we read in, in Revelation, it all gets thrown in the fire. Gone forever. It wasn't meant for you. It wasn't meant for your family. It wasn't meant for your friends. It wasn't meant for any human being. But if you want to hold on to your sin, if you want to hold on to being the Lord of your own life, then when the sin gets thrown in, you go with it. But there's an answer. All you have to do is, God, I'm so sorry. I repent of my sin. I don't want to, I don't want to live that way. You know, I don't, here I've been living my life, going in this direction. I don't want to live that way. I want to follow you. I believe what Jesus did on the cross is for me. I want in. And it's not a ceremony. You don't have to say the words I say. You don't have to, you, don't have to, you, you need to say words. It says that he confessed. But you, it's, not a, it's not a liturgy, a, a liturgical sentence. It's just a, it's a, in the heart. I've said it many times. You'll hear it thousands more. A friend of mine got saved by saying, Jesus, yes. And right now he's preaching in Indonesia. Right this second, this man, this man has been preaching all over the world ever since. But that's how he got saved, was he said, Jesus, yes. And then he lived his life. That's step one. Step two, get baptized. Get baptized. Why? Because Jesus said so. And when, because he said so, it's an act of obedience to follow him. And with that obedience, he threw in authority. I'll let you just stew on that for a while. So right now, we're going to have the Folks that are going to be baptized, get ready and just kind of come over in that first row there and stand up and make a line because I know there's, there's a few extras. Shiloh is going to start out doing the baptism. And if there's, and then we're also going to have some others. Everybody come on up to get ready to be baptized. I'm going to close out here real quick. And we're going to turn it over to these guys. But in this act of obedience, it is literally obedience. Nathaniel, why don't you come on up and and help? It's an act of obedience. And as we do this, it's good to confess. It's good for for people to say, this is why I'm doing this. So I I encourage the the ones who are doing the baptism to just ask them, why are you doing this? You know, and and, and is Jesus Christ your Lord? Yes. Well, then they can be baptized. They should be baptized. And as they're, they're getting ready, they're getting all set up here. In America, we've lost the importance, the, 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 the depth of what baptism is about. I was in a country a number of years ago, and I was a part of, of crusades, three weeks of crusades. And in those three weeks of crusades, I'm not kidding you, man, I saw hundreds and hundreds of people come to the front to get saved. Hundreds. Every, every night, 
dozens and dozens and, and could be hundreds, came forward and got saved for three weeks in a row. At the end of the three weeks, the, the, the guy who was leading the crusade said, he goes, this week, tomorrow, we're going to have a baptism. Hundreds of people came. We're going to have a baptism. The next day, two people showed up. He asked the, the pastor in the local area, he goes, I don't get it. He says, I, I know hundreds of people came forward. Why did only two show up? And he goes, yeah, in this country, if you get baptized, you're in. And they know that. Anybody can go up and say a prayer. But obedience, taking that step of obedience. And I, and I knew as soon as I heard it, I went, we have lost the importance of baptism. If you've never been baptized, if you're born again and you've never been baptized, the water's fine. We've had many people get in with their clothes. No clothes, and they rode home wet. It's okay. We'll actually, well, we'll rejoice over that kind of stuff. Just take your iPhone out first. <laughs> obedience. And with that obedience, watch what, you, watch what happens in your life. So I'm going to turn it over to these guys. If anybody else wants to get baptized, I want you to come up. Do you have a microphone over there? We're going to get you a microphone. And if somebody else other than the person in the water can hold it, that would be awesome. that God sent his son to, yeah. uh, do you believe that he died on the cross to save you from your sins yes. and do you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior yes. awesome Do you believe? Do you believe that God sent His Son on this onto this earth? And do you believe that He died on the cross to save you from your sins? And do you confess uh, with with your, all your heart that um, Jesus is Lord? Awesome.
If I may, if I might. Testing one. There we are. If I might, as Rhonda is getting into the tub, Rhonda is the first person from the St. Paul Church being baptized this morning. Praise God. God sent his son to this earth? Do you believe that uh, he died on the cross for your sins? And do you confess with all your heart that Jesus is Lord? good stuff right there. Goodness of God, you bet. Are you feeling all right? There you go. There you go. Good job. Good job. Yes. Do you believe that God sent his son to this earth? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? And do you confess with all your heart that Jesus is Lord? awesome that's a exciting time um, I know especially if, uh, Ava is in my class I'm the children's pastor here so uh, we talk about baptism and uh, she was very excited and all the other kids were actually excited to be in here today to watch so um, this is something that you all will never forget no matter the age uh, you'll, you'll always remember this moment so I am gonna close us out with a exciting announcement. Well, it's exciting for me. Um, we had a staff retreat in August, um, and we were talking, praying, and just kind of trying to gauge what the what the future, what are we doing moving forward. 
Um, and something that was on uh, our hearts uh, was the family, the connectedness of the family, uh, ministry to the family. Um, it was something that just kind of was brought up. You know, we, we have great Sunday sermons, we have uh, great youth ministry, we have great children's ministry, but uh, there was a part missing that we felt. Um, so I'm excited to announce that we are starting a family ministry. Um, and I just want to share some vision for this, just because it, it's not, it's always good to share vision. Um, so our vision statement, our, our mission statement, RVCC's family ministry's mission is to teach and model biblical family patterns at home and at church to strengthen godly relationships among members of the physical and spiritual family and to train parents for spiritual leadership and disciple making. We will help develop faith families in the congregation, enrich Christ-like relationships in the family, and prepare and support believers who minister to others through their family. So it, it's, this is something that's kind of new popping up is people focusing on the family. You see broken families, you see uh, split families, families that are good, they're, they're flourishing, but everyone needs ministry. Um, so our goal for this is to help minister to the family minister for marriage classes, whether your family is you and your wife, or uh, you, your wife, and a newborn, um, ministering to that size family, ministering to a family who has three kids and they're in their youth group, how do you deal with that? Ministering to single parents and how to have support through that, ministering to grandparents, how to be a grandparent, how to have an impact in that way. So really, we're, we're focusing on the areas that we thought were, were missing in marriage, parenting, and finance, fi financial. And we're going to be providing classes, books, seminars, uh, weekend events for families to come together and to learn, uh, to grow together, because we all, we have our pocket of family, and then the church is a family as a whole. So as a family people on this side can pray for the families on this side and the families on this side can support and pray for the families on this side it's we're all one big family spiritual family supporting the physical families in the church so uh, rather than just guessing with what um, we think you guys would want to learn about or what needs uh, some help we actually have a little survey on our website um, that we would love it if you guys could fill it out. It's got a couple questions talking about would, it, would I be interested in this type of class or this type of class or do I want someone teaching it like the marriage class coming up where Pastor John and Debbie are teaching or would I rather just have books or resources or like a video series that you could direct me to. So it would really be really helpful for us starting this up to get that feedback. So if you have the time, if you're willing to help us out, uh, it's on the church's website right underneath uh, the main page. And everyone can fill it out. The youth, what do you, what do you hope your parents could learn? <laughs> what do they need work on, Maybe if, if you're bold enough? Um, but if you're, if you're a grandparent, uh, what would you have wished that you could have learned when you were an early parent or when you were going through marriage class uh, your, your first couple years of marriage what did you wish 
would have been available to you guys. So that would be a great help. Um, and with that, I'll close out the service and uh, we can go out and enjoy our wonderful day. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the commitment and the confession that uh, those who got baptized today made. Uh, you, that you will honor that and everyone will rejoice with them as, as they as they made a public declaration to be with you, to follow you and let, uh, let you into their hearts. We pray that you bless everyone here today, bless them throughout the week and going into this winter. In Jesus' name, amen.